0: Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tung Ling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and e-book formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Genesis chapter 10, so just in know, high spots, that's why, that's why I wrote the, the textbook. Okay, uh, Genesis chapter 10, once you go back to the beginning, so what we're looking now, a few thoughts on Revelation 18 about the city of Babylon, and I'm just going to say right up front, what, what do you say, uh, Neil, about, you know, I may not be right, but I'm never in doubt. That's it, I may not be right, but I'm never in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I say, it's not my fault if I'm right. And <laughs> this is more refined. <laughs> Where they have this bird with a big beak and no tail. I come like from Kangaroo Land and, uh, <laughs> with everything in my pouch. <laughs> okay, Genesis chapter 10. Thank you for being such a wonderful bunch, but uh, I'm starting to feel the strain. Okay, now in Genesis chapter 10, I want you to glance over verse 6. Uh, just a few verses here. Uh, I want to introduce this thing. Uh, we're told, and the sons of Ham, Cush, Mizraim, Phut, and Canaan. And the sons of Cush, and all those names, if I had a name like any of those, i changed change it to Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and then verse 8, and Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, wherefore it is said, even is Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. Beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, Achab, Canaan, in the land of Shinar. And then out of that land went forth Asher, built Nineveh, going down a little bit. And Canaan, verse 15, Canaan begat Sidon, the Jebusite, the Amirite, the Gergishite, the Hivite, the Malaysianites, the Australianites, the Parasites, uh, all these otherites that make you it itchy. And verse 19, and the border of the Canaanites was from Sidon as you come to you are under Gaza, as you go under Solomon, Gamal, Admiral, Ziboyim, and Gomorrah, Adem and Now, this is what I want you to pick up here. We're going to understand Revelation chapter 18 in any way. We sort of need to go back again to the beginning. So, just in this sweeping overview, just put down Babylon. That's what we're looking at. And a few thoughts from Revelation chapter 18. Revelation 18. Now, when we go back to Genesis, We'll just do our little famous timeline here. Everything hangs on it, even me. In Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11, this is what we see. We find in the genealogy that mentioned there, we have Ham. And from Ham came Cush. And then from Cush came Nimrod. Now, Nimrod's name means the rebel. Now what I want you to pick up here, this is the foundation of Babel or Babylon, so Nimrod. So Nimrod's name means the rebel, and he he is the 13th from Adam, and 13 is the number of Rebellion. So Rebellion, the Tower of Babel was founded in Rebellion and ended in confusion. Anything that's founded in Rebellion ends in confusion, so we are living in rebel generation. Rebel music, rebel uh, uh, singing, and so forth. So that, uh, and you wonder why people are confused. So rebellion leads to confusion. So Nimrod is the rebel, it's so the third in from Adam. Now, what did Nimrod do? The city he goes out, several of them, we'll put down the major one as you'll see. He found Babel, which became Babylon. And they've been Babylon on and Babylon on ever since. Okay. Babel means the gate of God became eventually confusion. So Babel. And this was in the land of Shinar. Now from Ham also came another son uh, that we're picking out. And I'll go over here. By the name of Asher. And what city did Asher found? Let's go down. He founded the city of Nineveh. Now Babel becomes Babylon, of course, the capital of Babylon. Later on, Nineveh becomes the capital of Assyria, and then we find from Ham, he had another son, which I'll bring down here, by the name of Canaan. And from Canaan, we have two twin. We have several cities, but the tw- uh, main ones I want to pick out are twin cities called Sodom. And Gomorrah. So you have to go back to the beginning of these cities, and you see, uh, I'll just give you the scripture for now. Put down uh, Revelation chapter three and verse twelve. Revelation chapter three and verse twelve, and we're told, "To him that overcomes, I will write upon him uh, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem." And I will write upon him my new name. So what I'm saying here is, uh, spiritually, symbolically, we might say, everybody's going to have the name of a city upon them. So I would like to have the name of the New Jerusalem, the holy city, because, you see, the name of the city, the people who take the name of the city upon them take upon themselves the nature and the character and the spirit and the lifestyle of that city. So, I have to saying these things, but it is in the Bible. There are those who, in the Bible, are called Sodomites. Why are they called Sodomites? Because they have fallen in the sin of Sodom. So they are named after a city. There are those who are called New Jerusalem, to him that overcomes. So you see, the nature and character of the city becomes the nature and character of the inhabitants. And so that's, that's the thing. So the whole thing began back in here from Ham, Cush, Nimrod, Babel, and then Ash and Nineveh, Canaan, Sodom, and Gomorrah. So the character of the city. Now, as we follow the history of, uh, of Babylon here, and so there's a lot of thoughts we could say on that, which I've done in the text. Nimrod the rebel, let us make us a name, let us build us a tower. whose name and the tower will reach heaven. So God came down, scattered the whole thing, brought into confusion. But it began in that. So leads to confusion. Now as we follow the history of Babylon, we only have about one mention. In Joshua chapter 5, I think it is, we find uh, uh, Achan took a garment uh, of Babylon and a wedge of gold from Babylon. So there's no big city there, but they uh, the, the, the brought judgment uh, because of allowing that Babylonian garment and uh, lifestyle and that goal of getting to the people of Israel now it's in Daniel chapters one through to five da- Daniel chapters one through to five that Babylon is at its height and uh, as we see in these chapters and that's the amazing thing thing here that we're looking at see how it fits in Daniel one to five Daniel chapter one da- uh, Babylon is at its height Daniel so uh, let, let's just put that down. Uh, Babylon at its height. And uh, the Hebrew children who are in there, they refuse to drink the wine of Babylon, eat its meat and so forth. God blessed them, gave them wisdom. But Babylon was at had its glory, that they had of gold. That's the thing. In chapter 2 of Daniel, we have the, the uh, dream of the image of world kingdoms that was given to Nebuchadnezzar. And we see how all this in Daniel had its seed in Genesis, but it's had its glory in Daniel, uh, book of Daniel here, and it's going to consummate in Revelation. Then, in uh, chapter 3, we see how Nebuchadnezzar sets up the image of gold, uh, standard 666, but he wants the worship. God gave him a, d- a dream of the successive world kingdoms, right from Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, uh, Rome, down to the kingdom of Antichrist, the 10 toes and the three and a half years. You didn't get that part, but that's where the 10 horns, the 10 toes, one and the same thing. So that's Daniel 3. And bow or burn. If you don't submit, bow or burn. So tribulation saints pointing to God preserve Hebrew children through the fire, not from it. Daniel chapter 4, what happens? Nebuchadnezzar gets this and is executed there. this dream of the tree that is cut down and uh, Uh, The tree was applied to him. He was cut down off his throne, and he became a beast. The man who became the beast. And he received the heart of a beast. He became like a hippie. He had long nails, long hair. And he was insane for seven times. Seven times, seven years. Not a time, times, another time. Seven times insanity. And after seven times, seven years of punishment, as the man who became the beast, sanity is restored to him restoration of babylon careful my words daniel chapter five what happens in daniel five this is the final of babylon in daniel five we've already seen it all part of antiques or puzzle god comes on when they're mocking the vessels of the house of the lord god comes in and he writes in an unknown tongue over on the wall of the babylon and Daniel has to come in and interpret over against the golden lampstand, and that night we have the fall of Babylon. That's the picture. So you don't hear much of Babylon because the successive world kingdoms come, rise and fall according to the dream. Now we have one little mention of Babylon in First uh, Peter, I think, chapter five, somewhere, where. Uh, Peter writes, The church at Babylon greets you. Now, people try to spiritualize, even the Roman church says, Well, that means Rome. Rome's Babylon. Even the Roman church say that. No, there was a church in, uh, at, at Babylon, and some expositors, and some historians say that Peter actually went to Babylon after he was uh, got out of prison by the angel. But we have just that one reference there. Now, it's when we come to Revelation chapter 17 and 18 and particularly 18 we have. The three things I've told you before, we have to distinguish who is the woman. Number two, hopefully we've already distinguished, who is the beast? And number three, what is the city? They are the three major things in 17 and 18. The woman, the beast, and the city. Okay, the beast, antichrist, one world government. The woman, false harlot, church, city. What's the city? So that sort of gives you an overview of, uh, of, of the history of Babylon. Now I'm not going to take uh, uh, time to say the different views or except briefly. Some say Babylon is not a literal city. It refers to Rome. Some say it's USA, New York. Uh, some say it's the Twin Towers. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe application, but not, as I would say, interpretation let me just say a little bit here. What Babylon fall, uh, fell and uh, Larkin gives some amazing history here that uh, over a hundred years the prophet, beforehand Isaiah the prophet had said that uh, he would he would uh, cause the lead gates of Babylon to be left open and that he would, uh, uh, he would cause the, the, the loins of kings to tremble uh, and so forth and uh, that was over a hundred years before. And the history tells us that uh, the night Babylon fell, that the medo persian soldiers had already diverted the River Euphrates bed, which ran diagonally across the city. And uh, so they came up the diverted River Euphrates bed, came up to the two lead gates, and according to history, uh, the first time in the history of Babylon, where the house of Judah was, 70 years captivity. First time they found the lead gates open and so the medo person soldiers came up through the riverbed, up through the Tower of Baal, and that night, Belshazzar ba- was slain. So remarkably fulfilling the prophecies that happened back then. So all that deals with the glory of Babylon. I, I never did like history at a school. How many like history? Two or three, the intelligent ones really like history. I, I had to catch up uh, up then. Uh, let me read a little bit from Larkin out Al- of the textbook I've done. Larkin writes Babylon was probably the most magnificent city the world has ever seen, and its fall reveals what a city may become when it forsakes God and he sends his judgment on it. It is so intimately connected with the history of God's people that scriptures have much to say about it. Then he goes on to uh, uh, describe the city of Babylon, what it was. Uh, it was an exact square of 15 miles on the side, or 60 miles around. It was surrounded by a brick wall, 87 feet thick, 350 feet high, though probably a mistake, 100 feet being nearer the height. On the wall were 250 towers, and the t- top of the wall was wide enough to allow six chariots to drive abreast. Outside this wall was a vast ditch around in the city, uh, kept filled with water from the river Euphrates. And inside the wall, not far from it, was another wall, not much in view but narrow, uh, extending around the city. Twenty-five magnificent avenues, 150 feet wide, ran across the city from north to south, and the same number crossed them at right angles from east to uh, east to west, making 676. Uh, great squares, each nearly three-fifths of a mile on a side. The city was divided into two, equal parts by the river Euphrates that flowed uh, diagonally through it. And whose banks within the city were walled up and pierced with brazen gates, with steps leading down to the river. At the ends of the main avenues on each side of the city were gates whose leaves were of brass, and that shone as they were open or closed in the rising and the setting sun." And then it goes on about the fall of Babylon, and so forth. Now. I, this is the school I would come from. I personally believe, uh, along with the schools, that this city is the literal, actual city of Babylon. Not Rome, not any other city in the world, not New York. They, I mean, they may be spiritually Babylon, but I believe it's a literal, actual city. So uh, I don't want to bore you with history, but just to hopefully convince you that it's not my fault. I'm right, and I may be wrong, but I'm never in doubt. <laughs> Let me summarize a little bit of the other book of those who have not yet bought one before the closing day of praise tomorrow. <laughs> BC 539 to 541, the city of Babylon was captured by Silas, who was mentioned by name in prophecy over 125 years before he was born. BC 516, some years later, revolted against Darius, his Hystaspes. Uh, after a fruitless siege of nearly 20 months. B.C. 478 about this time his Xerxes, his, his Xerxes uh, on his return from Greece plundered and injured but did not destroy the Great Temple of Baal. B.C. 331 Alexander the Great approached the city which was so powerful then and flourishing it just opened the gates to him and he said he'd rebuild the vast Temple of, of Baal and so forth. It took 10,000 men to do it. A.D. 34 Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, some Jews had come from the area of Mesopotamia, the area of Babylon. AD 60, the Apostle Peter wrote in his epistle the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, and greeting the church at Babylon. 1 Peter 5.13 that is. A.D. 116, history tells the city was almost deserted about this time. A.D. 250, history still speaks of the Christian church being there. A.D. 545, about the middle of the 5th century, Theodoret speaks of Babylon as being inhabited only by Jews who had three Jewish universities and in the last year of the same century, the Babylonian Talmud was issued and recognised as authority by the Jews of the whole world. A.D. 9.17, Uh, Ibu Hankel mentioned Babylon as an insignificant village but still in existence. A.D. 1100 about this time seems to have uh, grown into a town of some importance, uh, known as the city of two mosques. Uh, This this part's interesting. In the depart... I think it's all interesting. (laughs) In the Department of War, France and Paris, there is seen to be records of valuable surveys of maps made by the order of Napoleon I in Babylonia. Among them is a plan for a new city of Babylon, and this shows that the vast schemes skin, of Napoleon comprehended the rebuilding of the ancient city of Babylon, making of it as his capital. His ambition didn't last long. A.D. 1850. The British government sent out a military officer with his command to survey and explore the river Euphrates at a cost of $150,000. And when the European war broke out, a great English engineer who built the Aswan Dam in Egypt was engaged in making surveys of the Euphra- Euphrates Valley. The purpose of this was for, uh, for constructing a series of irrigation canals that would restore the country and make it gain the great grain-producing country once was. AD 19. Uh, 98, 1898, Hiller contained about 10,000 inhabitants and was surrounded by fertile lands and abundant date birds stretched along the banks of the river. Uh, now, listen to some of the update, uh, and, and let me throw this in, did you get all those notes down? <laughs> <laughs> you could be tested on this tomorrow. <laughs> I'll have mercy upon you, according to my loving kindness. <laughs> uh, so you see, some people say that Babylon would never be rebuilt, and they quote scriptures out of Isaiah or Jeremiah or whatever, that uh, nobody would take a stone of it to build, and that uh, the, uh, the uh, Arabian would not dwell there, only that it would be a place for demons and spirits and so forth. So it would never be built, and so forth. But what they've they missed is the whole time element. That's what I want to get across. Now, over the years, in my little secret file at home that the silverfish don't dare eat because they'll die, I've been collecting papers and news clippings. So this brings us up 1971. The Herald, Melbourne, Australia. They want to rebuild Babel. Baghdad, AAAP. The Tower of Babel, biblical source of the world's languages, may soon rise again over the dusty plainlands known as Mesopotamia. The Iraqi government is considering plans to rebuild part of the ruins of Babylon, including a 2-foot, 290-foot tower, which probably inspired the writer of the Biblical Book of Genesis. Then the Pittsburgh Press, May 11, 1980, USA. Japanese scholars plan to rebuild the ruined city of Babylon, and also they hope to restore the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Now this is way back there. Uh, February the 22nd, 1987 Times on Sunday Baghdad while Iran and Iraq have been locked in battle for the past past four years Iraq has been pouring resources into its other great obsession rebuilding the ancient city of Babylon. President insane Hussein no, President uh, Hussein has even brought men from the battlefront to work on 10 million bricks have been used to reconstruct its more famous features. And, 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 and I'll tell you a book, if you can possibly get it here, it's the latest thing, it's the uh, best book out on where it's up to date. And uh, when, when these guys say, well, not a brick was to be taken, uh, Hussein has taken thousands and thousands of bricks, put his name on it, and he's number six on it, on so many bricks, and rebuilt so much of the ancient city, had banquets and everything. Uh, Bangkok Post, uh, September 14, 1989. Fortune awaits the engineer who can restore ancient Babylon. Iraq yeah. trying to recover its Babylonian heritage. And you see, we, we sometimes forget these things, see. Babylon, uh, and, and, and why did the Americans not destroy Babel when it's only 50 miles away from Baghdad? Some of it was damaged in that war, but not all of it. So I think, what I believe from the Bible, God has some significance, there, and there was a time element. And see, Persia, medo Persia, Iraq, Iran, ancient enemies from all this thing—that's just centuries old—that we just see rising. All part of the prophetic word. So, Bangkok Post, the Australian, 1990. Uh, Ancient legends drive Saddam the Conqueror in his Disneyland style, rebuilding the ruins of ancient Babylon. Every fourth brick bears the inscription, built in the time of Saddam. Whereas in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar in the 6th century BC, only one in a hundred bricks bore a civil proclamation. And he says, and he puts out on these articles, that he is the modern day Nebuchadnezzar, and he is going to do to Jerusalem what Nebuchadnezzar did years ago. So this is all up to date. This is not, you know... At the Herald, Melbourne, Australia, August the 16th, 1990, a prophet saw it all. The French astrologer Nostradamus predicted 400 years ago that the last international conflict of the 20th century would come from the Middle East. Uh, uh, I mean, now uh, remember, Nostradamus is not an elder in our church. So, just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and one of his prophets, he said, the great band and anti-Christian sect of the... Muslims shall rise in Iraq and Syria, near the Euphrates, with an army and shall consider Christian law as its enemy, as Nostradamus here. The Arab leaders shall de- declare war and subversion against the monarchic sovereignty and the power of the church shall fall through a maritime invasion. More than one million soldiers will be in Iran and Satan will invade Turkey and Egypt. This is well, wow. Jerusalem Post 1990, the Gulf crisis and threat in, in bodies for Israel has convinced many ultra-Orthodox Jews the Messiah is coming. Thousands of Israelis gathered together recently in Tiberias in northern Israel around the Tomb of the Holy Man to exercise the designs of the new Nebuchadnezzar, Saddam Hussein, the King of Babylon, who uh, burned Jerusalem. A League of Prayer, uh, Christian Newsletter, November the 2nd, more details, the Midnight Call. 1990. 1991, Herald Sun, Melbourne. The land that is now Iraq, has a history of occupations and invasions, stretching back to the fourth millennium before Christ. Saddam Hussein has gone to extravagant lengths uh, to uh, bask in the reflected glory of his nation's heritage. Toronto Star, Canada, 1994. He's put his stamp on Babylon. The entrance to the restored city of Babylon is adorned with portraits representing one of its ancient rulers, Hammurabi, the lawgiver and the man who would outdo him, President Saddam Hussein. At this side, another of the city's ancient rulers, Nebuchadnezzar, constructed palace. And then, if you can get this book, it's called, uh, uh, it's by Charles H. Dyer, D Y E R. That's the latest one out, and he gives pictures of the, because he was invited as a newspaper reporter to the feast of Saddam of, of Hussein and the marching they were dressed in Babylonian garments and he goes so the, the name of the book is The Rise of Babylon by Charles H Dyer and he gives the most update of what's happening and the whole thing just too much to quote and he quotes uh, uh, Hussein some of the statements he's made what his politicians are saying and so forth so uh, yeah so I just take it and see in the book of Revelation Euphrates is mentioned, and see, the only way we get out of this and say, "Oh, that's not literal; it's all symbolic; it's all spiritual." Euphrates is mentioned under the uh, four angels in Revelation nine, the sixth trumpet. The four angels bound at the river Euphrates. Revelation fourteen, verse eight. Babylon is fallen, Babylon is fallen, the city that made all nations. Revelation 16, the river Euphrates is mentioned again. Revelation 16, 19, Babylon is coming the remembered before God. Revelation 17, the great harlot Babylon, then Revelation 18. So we have to spiritualize or allegorize and say, oh, well, it's some other city. No, I believe it's the actual city. Now, turn to Zechariah chapter 5 to Ugh, Two or three more minutes. I drew your attention to this before, but just to remind you not to forget to remember. (laughs) All right, uh, Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 5, we already have read it. Verse 5, we see the woman, and then the two women, and the wings of a stork, and then verse 11 is climax. Then he said unto me, Where are they going to build in a house In the land of Shinar. Now remember historically 70 years captivity. Babylon captivity is ended. Babylon has fallen. Daniel 5. They are under the kingdom of Medo-Persia. Zechariah was born in Babylon. Came out of Babylon. And God is giving him visions. And here in this vision he sees that these two women are flying to the land of Shinar. Way back there. And what are they going to do? They are going to build a house. A temple in other words and it's going to be established on its own face. That's where they're and now we come to Revelation chapter seventeen and eighteen. And what I've done very, very fully is this these whole two chapters are based on quotations from Jeremiah chapter fifty, fifty-one, the fall of Babylon, bit of Daniel. I put every reference. And and John actually on the inspiration of the Spirit has has be done. Jeremiah 50, 51 and a few other verses in Isaiah brought them together and build a whole chapter of quotations. So if it's all over and done with, and there's never going to be a literal, actual Babylon what's going on today. So I believe it's one of the greatest signs which we're living. So Jerusalem, Babylon. Tale of two cities. That's what the Bible's about. When Babylon was up, Jerusalem was down. When Jerusalem was up, Babylon was down. These two cities, let me predict safely here, um, what I understand by the word. These two cities are going to come into greater prominence right through to the coming of the Lord, Jerusalem and Babylon. And Hussauden uh, uh, said, I'm going to do Jerusalem, to Jerusalem what Nebuchadnezzar did years ago. So these two cities are coming into prominence and they're going to be the hot cities. And I wouldn't be surprised is after a few little hassles that are developing here, that where would be the best place to have the seat of the disunited nation, I mean the United <laughs> Nations. Let's go back to Babylon, back to our roots, the origin of all nations. So keep your eyes on the heavenly city Jerusalem. But just have a little glance over there and there of the events that are happening. Thank you, Kevin, for that good. That was a good session. Amen. Amen. Amen? So God going away. Now you re- review just two quick minutes for your review for final exams tomorrow. <laughs> I have been very, very kind. Thank me, thank me.. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> you have 10 questions that are simply true or false. Oh, thank More thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So, you just want to think, I mean, you know, is the, uh, the book of Revelation, Did is it, is it the revelation of St. John the Divine, or is it the revelation of Jesus Christ? I mean, you know, you know think about that. And, uh, you know, uh, what, what's the major number in the book of Revelation? Does anybody have a clue? Uh, okay. Six. <laughs> so, you'll have true and false for ten questions. Very simple. I'd like you to um, just revisit what I gave you on the seven churches. Think about that. You know, what's, what's the purpose about that? And then when we look at the, uh, the seals, trumpets, and vials of the bowls of rock, what, what's the major thing God's trying to communicate there? How many of you have seen that those whole areas have to do with judgment? And then I'd like you to revisit Revelation chapter 10 particularly. And just think about that angel messenger. And then one other thing I'd like you to look at is uh, just revisit um, Revelation chapter 11. I mean, how would you handle things like this when people say, well, the two witnesses are the Moses, Elijah, company of the church. I mean, you know, does the church have the ministry of burning fire and... Turning waters to blood and bringing plagues down on everybody. Bow or burn. Okay, just so uh, look at those guys. And then one other thing we'll be looking at tomorrow, and that's about the binding of Satan. How many are glad that Satan is already bound and is in the bottom of the pit now? How many are glad for that? Come back tomorrow for this exciting episode. <laughs> All right, so hope it's not been too heavy. It's been a tough morning. Uh, because of the stuff we're dealing with, but I really hope that you've got something out yeah? let me just say Amen? amen. amen. All right, let's all stand and let's have a word of prayer and let's lift our hands again and thank the Lord. And tomorrow is the last day of the feast, the last time of the tribulation, of this week. Okay, so let's lift our hands to the Lord and thank the, thank the Lord Jesus, thank the Father. Father, again we lift our hands in thanks and honor for your wonderful, awe-inspiring, overwhelming, uh, inexhaustible Word and Father, we just pray that uh, what we share this morning, heavy stuff, heavy duty stuff, that it'll fall upon good ground of our hearts, Father. And as we have opportunity to witness to people, and may the Holy Spirit just clarify and bring things to our remembrance, Father, what we need. Help us, Lord. Help us to be better believers, and better Christians, and more committed, uh, Lord, after things that we have uh, received from Your Word this morning. Now let Your blessing be with us. Uh, bless us, quicken us uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically and any other way that we need to. we gather again tomorrow we ask in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Everybody said Amen. God bless you, Real good. Have a good afternoon. <laughs> Be sure to visit KevinConnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.